goes. Um, in any case, uh, let's open up the Bible to the letter to the Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians. We'll be camped out at uh, chapter 1. A couple of verses today from verses 3 to 14. So Paul's letter to the Ephesians at chapter 1, verses 3 to 14, and I shall be reading from the English Standard Version. Look up at me if, you are, if you're there. Yep, you're there? All right, let's do it. Uh, follow along as I read. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and believed in him, was sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. This is the word of God. Uh, thanks, Daniel, and good morning. Uh, good to see everyone. Uh, you guys must love Jesus to come to church on such a hot day. <laughs> That's a joke. All right, um, but it's good to see you guys. I know it's a little hot. Uh, we've got the fans running. It might be a bit hard to hear because the fans are making noise, but um, please do try to stick in through it. And I have made my sermon a little shorter than normal, uh, just to um, stop your suffering, all right, make it short. Um, if you know, if you've been here the last couple of weeks, uh, we've been going through a five-week series on truths to live by. And I don't know if you can tell, but they're the five uh, sermon topics uh, that we're going to go through, um, and that's a cool design. Uh, it's, like a, it's like a search thing, right? Do you get it? And so the first week I talked about the fact that hell is real. That was a big and heavy topic, but I just wanted us to be confronted by the fact that hell, according to the Bible, is a real place. It's horrible. And when we get there, <clears throat> it's final. And a lot of people are going to end up in hell who don't know that they're going to go there. And that truth in itself should radically change the way we look at life and we look at ourselves and the way that we live our lives. Right? The last week I talked about how Jesus saves. Right? Hell is real, but Jesus saves. Jesus is the one who can give us what we need, maybe not what we want, but what we need and what Jesus gives us is salvation. And so today I want to build up on those uh, two topics to talk about the fact that God has a plan. And this isn't going to be anything new. It's everything I've talked about before, but I want to just uh, remind us that God is and has been at work to work out His plan 
And his plan is a plan of salvation. Now, what do you think of when I say God has a plan? Now, I just gave you the answer, but when I think of God as a plan, my immediate thought goes to myself. God has a plan for me. And I wonder what God's plan is for me. I wonder what God wants to do in my life. I wonder what God wants to do in church, in my relationships, right, in this year. Is that kind of how you think of God's plan? Right? What does God want for you? Right? I think of verses like Jeremiah 29, verse 11. Right? It's a very famous verse that people love to memorize. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And we hear that, we're like, yes, God has a plan for me, a plan, and not for evil, but for hope, for a future, for welfare. I don't know about you, but when I think of God's plans, I tend to think of God's plans for me and my life. But today, as I talk about God's plans, I want to kind of take a step back and see a much bigger, global, cosmic, eternal plan that God has been working out. Now, the plan that God has for your life that is uniquely uh, special and different is important, right? It's important for us to figure out what God's doing in in our workplace and in our family. But I think it's much more important for us to understand God's global, eternal plan, right? And that's what we're going to look at today. So number one, we're going to look at the fact that God has a plan. Now, I'm going to shove the verse up on here, and you can look at it in your phone or your Bible, Um, But this is the passage that uh, we just read. Oh, it's not that clear. But every red bit, can you see the red bits? All those red bits are phrases in the passage that conveys the fact that God has a plan. Uh, So for example, verse 8, it talks about how God is working in wisdom and insight. So everything that's happening is not by fluke, it's not by random chance or accident, but God in His wisdom, in His insight, is working. Or in verse 10, it says that God has a plan for the fullness of time. And what that's trying to convey is that all of time has been leading up, it's been waiting and building up to this moment that's in the future when God will unveil everything, right? But everything has been leading up to that future moment, right? God's plan has been across all of time. Or verse 11, it says, God's plan is according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Right? Everything he's saying is according to God's purpose. Everything is God working out his will. Right? So God is in control, he's sovereign, and he's working out what he wants. Right? That's what he's doing. Right? God has a plan. And we see this, of course, in verse 3 to 4. Right? If you look at verse 3 to 4, Verse 3 is the first verse. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Right? So that's saying God has blessed us in Jesus, and we're going to unpack that in the next two points. And then verse 4 says, Even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. Right? God has chose us in Jesus before the foundation of the world. Of the world. I just want to sit under that phrase for a second, before the foundation of the world. Because what that's saying is that God's plan predated not only this moment, or God's great grand plan not only predated the first time you stepped into church, or God's great plan not only predated you know, your birth, 
or the birth of your parents. But God's plan predated even Jesus Christ. God's plan predated ancient Egypt and all the stuff we find in in archaeology and the history books. God's plan predated, it says, everything. God had a plan, and he made that plan in the beginning. But in fact, it's even before the beginning, because what it says is, it's before the foundation of the world. Now, our Bibles begin with Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's how our Bible begins, in the beginning. But what it's saying is, even before that, even before there was any matter or time or stars or sun or solar system, before anything else existed, God was there, Father, Son, Spirit, and God in himself hatched a plan, an eternal plan for all of time. Right? That's how far God's plan stretches. Right? God has this eternal plan that he's created. You might have heard this, it's a bit corny, but history is his story. Yeah? <laughs> all of history, it's God's story. God has been working out a plan. Like through the, the, the thousands of years and the billions of people and the generations and generations and all these different things happening in you know, individuals' lives, God's had an overarching plan over it all. And he's been working it out. One plan throughout all of time. I'm just saying the same thing over and over again. Do, do we kind of understand that God has had this plan? It, it's still at play right now. And it's still going to keep going until Jesus returns. And what that means for us is this. If God has a plan, we should live for God's plan, not ours. Right? If God has had this overarching, eternal, cosmic plan, and we are people who follow Jesus, then it makes sense that we say, God, well, I want to know what your plan is, and then I'm going to follow your plan and be a part of it. Right? If, if God did not exist, right, let's imagine God did not exist, then everything is random. Everything was just happened to be like some explosion and a big bang and somehow that happened, you know, and I don't know how that happened, but it happened. And everything somehow got created and earth somehow seemed to be the place where, you know, things can grow and then there were molecules and they evolved and then we just happened to be, you know, the, the, the fittest of all the things. And we just happen to be alive right now. And if that's the case, then there's no plan for your life. There's no plan for history. There's no plan for creation. Everything is random. And the best that we can do, if that's the case, is we just make up a plan for our lives. We say, well, everything's random, but I'm going to make my life about this. And that's the best we can do. But if God does exist, and if God has a plan And doesn't it make sense for Christians to know what that plan is and say, God, I'm going to be a part of your plan. Your plan for all of history, all of creation, and all of mankind. Yes, I want to be a part of that plan. Isn't that what Christians should say? We should see our lives and live our lives in light of God's great plan for all of humanity. I said this year, I want us to walk with God. And I've 
few sermons ago, actually a bunch of sermons ago, I said that to walk with someone means to go in the same direction. Right? If I'm going to say, I'm going to walk with you, and you say, I'm headed that way, and I say, oh, well, I'm headed that way, well, we're not going to walk together. Right? To walk with God means to say, well, I'm headed in the same direction as God. And God has laid out his plan. He's going that way. This is his desire for all of humanity. And if we truly want to walk with God in our lives, it's up to us to say, God, I'm headed the same way that you are. But I'm going to embrace your plan and make it a part of my life. Right? Have we done that? Have we said God's plan and purposes is my plan and purposes? I think there's like four levels of ways we interact with God and his plan. The lowest level, maybe the worst, is to say, God, I don't care about you. I'm making my plan for my life. Right? That's what non-believers might do. And I think sometimes we Christians do that. We actually live as if God doesn't exist. We make our plans for our lives, and we don't even think about what God might want for us. Right? And I think that's the lowest. The next level up is to say, God, these are the plans for my life, and I want you to bless them. Right? At least now God's involved. But what we're saying is, God, I've already decided what my life's going to be about. I've already decided what my goals are going to be for me and my job career or my relationships or for my kids. This is what I'm going to, I want them to be, and I've set it all up. Now, God, bless it. Right? And again, I feel like quite often Christians will fall under this category. Now, the level up before, above that is to say this. We come before God and we ask, God, what is your plan for my life? Now, that's good. Because now we're actually surrendering something. And we're saying, God, I'm seeking your guidance. What do you want from me? What do you want for my life in terms of my relationships, my job, or where I should live? Right, that's good. But I think the level even above that is not to ask, God, what's your plan for my life? Is to ask, God, what are you already doing in this world? What are you already doing in this city? And God, I'm going to make my life fold into that. Right? I think that's really what we should be praying. Yes, we ask God what he's doing uniquely in our lives. But when we understand God's already at work, he already has a plan that is revealed here in the Bible. We should say, God, I'm going to figure that out. And I'm going to jump into that. Right? I think that's really what God desires. Right? As the Lord's Prayer teaches us, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's our prayer. God, I want that to happen, what you desire. And I'm going to pray for that, and I'm going to live for that. God has a plan. So we live for that plan, not ours. So then the question is, what is God's plan? Now in verse 3, it says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Right? This is the plan of God, and he unpacks it in the verses to come. The plan of God was to bless you, was to bless us. And he says, with every spiritual blessing. And when you hear that, you're like, every spiritual blessing? Yes! And we imagine God's open up the floodgates of heaven and PlayStation 5s are falling down from the sky, right? Luxury cars and, you know, all these things that we desire. But God's way of blessing us, we find, is this. is to save 
his people. That's God's plan. When he says, I'm going to bless you, he means salvation. Now, I'm going to go back to the passage here. Oh, you can't see that. Can you see the yellow? There's yellow in there now in amongst the red. The yellow there, if you squint and look carefully, is all the times it talks about the way God has blessed us. Let me get better projectors. Uh, all the ways God has blessed us, if you look at it, is all about salvation. Right? All those highlights. For example, verse 5, in love he predestined us for adoption. Right? God has chosen to bring us into his family. That's what it says. Verse 7, in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And so we've been forgiven of our sins and we're made right with God. Verse 11 says, in Jesus we've obtained an inheritance. And so yes, there is an, a reward, but we find out later in verse 14, we haven't yet got this inheritance. Right? It's waiting for us. Right? It's waiting for us in heaven. In verse 13 to 14, when we believe we have the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Now, all of these things I just talked about is salvation. We have the word, we have the gospel, right? We are forgiven, we're redeemed, we've got the spirit, we're adopted, we have an inheritance. That's salvation. And Paul is saying, this is the blessing God has planned for you, right? When God, before he had created anything, he said, I've got a plan for Paul or for you, and I want to bless them. And he said, I'm going to bless them with salvation. You know, not long ago, maybe a few decades ago for some of us, at least a century ago, right, that, I think that covers all of us, a century ago, you and I were nobodies. Right? We did not exist. We were on no one's radar. Right? Even our parents you know, had no idea that we would be here. They might have thought, I'm going to have a kid one day, but they didn't imagine you and your existence, right? They didn't picture you and your personality. And yet the crazy thing that this passage says is that way before even the first particle existed, God had you in mind. You were on his radar, and he wanted to bless you with these things. What this means then, if this is the way God blesses us, is that we should live for God's prize, not ours. God's plan means we live for his plan, not ours. And the fact that his plan was to save us means that we should live for that prize. Right? That should be the most important thing in our understanding of everything than anything else we can ever get. And this is what I said last week. Actually, in our Sunday groups uh, that I joined, uh, we were sharing, and uh, Justin Cho was actually sharing his reflection on this passage. And he was saying that nowhere in this verse does it talk about anything material. It doesn't mention anything about success. Nothing about money. God's blessing is not winning the lotto, even though that would be great and wonderful. But it says nothing about those things. It's only about salvation. And it's not because God is stingy. Right? It's not because God is poor. It's because God knows what is best for us. Right? Last week I said, right, and that's, there's a story last week that I talked about. They lowered the paralytic to Jesus. And as the paralytic comes face to face with Jesus, what does Jesus say? He doesn't say, your paralysis is healed. He tells him, your sin is forgiven. Why does he say that? 
Because even though it's not what he wanted, it is what he needed. And this is our great need. All of humanity, what we need is salvation. And so if this is what God has deemed to be the most important thing out of his lavish generosity, that's what he says, he lavished it upon us, every spiritual blessing by the riches of his grace. If this is what God has deemed to be most worthy to give to us, then we must agree that this is what is most important. This is the great prize to know Jesus, to have Jesus, and to be saved through Jesus. Not only for me, but for the rest of the world. Right? Do we really believe this? Right? This is what I said last week. Do we believe this is what is most important? Third and last, God's plan was to save his people in his son. This is what God's doing. God's plan that he hatched before the creation of the world was to save his people in his son. Again, I'm going to go back to that verse that is now just a bunch of the same colors. Let's see how how it goes. All right, blue. The blue here is every time it attributes our blessing to Jesus. And I don't know if you notice, you probably can't. Nearly every time there's a yellow, which looks like red, it's right there with the blue. And what we find is that our blessing is only possible because of Jesus. Verse 3, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Right? We're blessed because of Jesus. Verse 4, he chose us in Jesus, in him, before the foundation of the world. Verse 5, he predestined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ. Verse 6, he has blessed us in the beloved. Right? Over and over again, it says you've been blessed because of Jesus. You've been blessed because of Jesus. You've been saved because of Jesus. Every blessing that we've had spiritually is because of Jesus. And what that means then is that we should live for God's praise not ours. We'll live for God's plan, not ours. We'll live for God's prize, not ours. And we'll live for God's praise, not ours. When we hear that God had hatched a plan before the creation of the world to choose me and to save me, there's two ways we can respond to that. And one way, which is the wrong way, is to say, wow, God chose me. God saved me. I must be amazing. I'm awesome. I'm wonderful. And sometimes, you know, that's how it's conveyed in churches and by preachers. This is proof of how awesome you are. God would send his son to die for you. But that's not the right way to respond. And this is an analogy I always give, and I think it's the best one. It's the way I heard it. It's the difference between a dog and a cat. And you can tell if I'm a dog person or a cat person by this analogy. But imagine you had a dog and a cat. And you poured out your love and your your blessing upon the dog and the cat. You took care of them. You groomed them. You gave them showers. You took them for walks. You gave them the best kind of food. You gave them a nice little comfortable kennel or a house to sleep in. You even gave them their own room. And the cat receives all of these things. And the cat thinks to itself, wow, I'm treated like a king. Look at all that I receive. It's proof that I am amazing. I must be a king, and this person must be my servant. Right? That's how the cat responds. But then the dog, the dog says, whoa, 
Look at all that I receive. I don't deserve any of it. I'm not amazing. My master is amazing, right? The dog, the dog is right in this one, okay? My master is amazing. He's incredible. He's so special. He's so awesome. Right? Both are being blessed. Very different responses. When we consider our salvation, our response should not be, I'm amazing. It should be, God is amazing. It shouldn't be that I am great. It should be, God is great. I've deserved none of this, and yet he has lavished upon me blessing and salvation. And so I return to him, praise. Right? That is the right way to respond. And that's what we find here. Now, I don't know if you can tell now, there are very few gaps left. The four gaps that are left have all to do with giving Jesus or God praise. I'm going to fill it up now. Yes, and it's, you can't even tell. <laughs> there are four parts in this that say, let's give God the praise. Verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Right? Bless God because he's blessed us. Verse 6, the praise to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us. Right again, so we're not lifting ourselves up. It's bless God, praise God. Verse 12, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then verse 14, it ends with these words, to the praise of his glory. Right, we've received blessing. That is God's plan, but it's through Jesus for the praise of Jesus. Now, when I say we should live for God's praise, not ours, I don't just mean that on a personal level. Right? I've been saved by God. Praise Him. But when I say we live for God's praise, I mean that on a global level. That you and I now exist so that people around us and around the world will praise Jesus. That is why we live. But that's the plan. But if we step back, God's great plan for all of time and all of creation and all of humanity was that he would save people in Jesus. But through Jesus, blessings would flow out and that it would return to him in praise. That's God's great plan. And for us to say, God, I'm going to be a part of that plan, it means, God, I want other people, not just myself, but other people to know about you, to hear about you, to be saved through you, and then to praise you. That's what I now live for. And so we live our lives now to make Jesus known and to make Jesus great at our workplaces, in our family, the way we spend our time and we prioritize. That now becomes our life's purpose. Right? Hell is real. It's horrible. It's final. And people are headed there and they're going to be surprised when they get there. But Jesus saves. They were the last two sermons. And God's plan is that those people who are going to hell might hear about Jesus and be saved. And they will bend their knees and exalt Jesus for all of eternity. Is that your plan? Is that your life's driving purpose? This is what God has always been about. Through the midst of individual lives and generations of people, and billions of people who have lived and died, God's overarching plan has always been Jesus. He's the center point of all of history. That everything, it says in this passage, will be united in Him. It's like everything at one point would coalesce in Jesus. But it's all being pulled toward Him. 
Jesus is not just my hero or your hero. He's the hero of all of time. Right? If this was a movie, right? I saw this skit. Um, I couldn't find it, but I saw this skit where they're trying to film a scene and there's a main character and there's all these extras in the background and there's this extra who's just meant to like, I think, sit there or you know, walk from point A to B like, and just be invisible. He's meant to just walk, just a straight line. And they go, all right, action. And this extra, he's meant to be in the background and be invisible. He's like, and he's try, he takes all the attention. They're like, cut, cut. All you need to do is just walk. Can you do this? Can you walk from there to there? Like, okay, let's try it again. Action. And this guy can't help to try to be the main character right in the scene. Right? But in God's overarching story of all of history, which must be 50 seasons long, you and I are not the main character. I mean, we play a role, but our role is not to take the limelight, it's to point to Jesus. But sometimes we try to make it about us, and we're like that extra in the background, you know, trying to draw attention to ourselves. We play a small part in a small episode over 50 seasons, but the main character is Jesus. That's God's story. And our part to play is to make Jesus great. Are we living that kind of life? This is what God is doing right now. Oftentimes we ask God, what are you doing in my life? I don't know, but I can tell you what God is doing in the world. He's working to save people. And your life and his plan for all of humanity is meant to come together. And we should say, God, I'm going to live for that. That is my plan now. And I see that that is the great price. Salvation is what I need and what people need. And so I live for the praise of Jesus. I want them to know him and to bend their knee to him, right? Is that what is driving your life? Let me end with this. You know, it's crazy to think that less than 500 years ago, but it wasn't that long, like 500 years, that people thought that everything revolved around us. People thought the sun and you know, the planets revolved around us. It hasn't been that long. Right? It's been less than 500 years. And various scientists and you know, different people say different people, but Galileo and Newton probably during their, you know, what they had accomplished, due to them, it became generally accepted. Actually, not everything revolves around us. In fact, we revolve around the sun. Right? And they realized that. And you know, I wish I was there to see that you know, become common knowledge. Because... What a huge mind shift that would have been. And I wonder how people felt. Because one day they woke up thinking everything, we're at the center of everything. And the next day they realized actually we're not. And we're not the center of everything. And I wonder if people felt really humbled by that. And they felt small. And they uh, realized that they're not you know, so important. And we as Christians need to make a similar shift in our mindset. Because I think often we live as if we're at the center of everything. And we're the main character in the story. And we're the most important thing. And everything revolves around me. But we're not. Right? God's eternal plan, it involves us, but it's not about us. It's about Jesus. He is at the center of it all. And just like they realized 500 years ago, we need to realize what our world revolves around. And this is a bit corny as well, but... What does the world revolve around? The sun, right? But not that sun, 
the other sun. Right? Our world revolves around the glorious blazing sun lifted high, the son of God. Not us, but him. And we should make our lives all about him. I don't know what kind of worries you came here with today, what kind of great plans and projects you've envisioned. But where is God in all of that? And where is God's great purpose to save people in all of that? And I want to invite us to surrender our lives to him. But what that means is to truly say, God, my life folded into your eternal plan to see people saved in Jesus. Right? I want it to be a part of that. Can we make that bold prayer right now? Let's close our eyes and let's pray. I really want us to walk with God this year, uh, but to walk with God is to really go in the same direction as God is going. And God has already planned out where he's headed. He doesn't bend to our plans and our purposes. We decide whether we're going to follow along with God. And God's great plan before the foundation of the world was to save his people in his son. That as Jesus and the gospel is made known, that people will be convicted of their sins, that they would believe in him and they'll be saved. Um, and that that would keep spreading out further and further, that the name of Jesus would spread further so the name of Jesus will be lifted higher. But that as it goes further out, that he will be lifted higher and higher all around the world. Can we submit our lives to be a part of that today why don't we make that bold confession right now I want to be a part of that plan God I want to be a small cog in your story for all of history let's pray